Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. There is nothing in this world that compares to the presence of the Lord. And when you're in the presence of the Lord, enjoy every minute of it. Savor it. It's absolutely awesome. On one occasion, I was on my way back into the country. I'd been on a mission trip. And I was going through customs at the Miami airport. And I had been in Colombia, and maybe it was this particular flight or those flights coming in from countries like that, but they really seemed to be on high alert. And when I got in to the area where you line up to go through customs, it looked like there was a thousand people in that line. Just not just one line, many lines. And then something that I'd seen before, but never to this extent, there was a lot of officers there. And they had those drug-sniffing dogs. And they were going all over, checking everybody's luggage. And I had been gone for a couple of weeks, so I had a lot of luggage. And I had some gifts that I had brought back with me. And after a while, I started thinking, boy, if something doesn't change quickly, I'll miss my flight back into Tallahassee. And so... I'm, I'm getting a little worried, a little bit frustrated, but nothing much changed. And every now and then with those dogs and those officers, they would stop and they would pull somebody out of line with all their luggage. None of us said anything, but we were all thinking the same thing. Somebody just got caught. Yeah, this is... This is not good. I don't know why, but I was nervous. (laughs) Could I possibly have something on me that would get me in trouble? I knew I didn't have any drugs. I, I, I knew I didn't have anything on me, but I was still nervous. And this officer walked down the line. I saw him come in and I tried not to make eye contact. I mean, I wouldn't even look at him. And he stops right there by me. And he said, you, sir. Me? You. He said, I need you to step out of line. I said, me? (laughs) Sir, I need you to step out of line. Now, can I just pause here? I have a policy. I don't know what your policy is. You do whatever you think is best, but I have a policy. If I'm dealing with somebody that has 
a badge and a gun. <laughs> They're in charge. I don't argue. But I was so nervous and I pushed my big cart out of the way, out of line. And he said, follow me. And I'd heard horror stories about some of these searches they do at the airport. <laughs> Lord, I need you now. <laughs> and I followed him and I just knew I've, I've never felt so guilty in my whole life. I knew people were saying, yeah, yeah, you thought you'd get by, but they got you. But I followed him. And then after a while, we came to this door. And he walks around to the door. He puts his key in the door. He opens the door. And he pulls it open like this. And he said, go through this door. Man, I don't know what's going to happen, but Lord Jesus, please be with me. Now, I, I, anyway, I pushed that cart through the door. And when I did, he shut the door behind me, but he didn't come through the door. And I, I stand there just for a moment and nobody's paying me any mind. Nobody's saying anything to me. And I see people walking back and forth. And it took me a few moments to realize that I was out in the airport and people were just going to their flights. I, I turned around a couple of times. What just happened? Why did it just happen? Who, who gets pulled out of line and does not have to go through customs? And, and with this huge smile on my face, I start pushing my cart to go catch my flight. And I just meditated on it for a while. And, and I don't know what you think about this kind of stuff, friends, but I call it mercy. I call it grace. I call it the hand of God. I, I, I felt like the kiss of the Lord was on me at that moment. I, I, and I felt that way many times in my life. I actually felt like the favor of the Lord was over me, that the Lord was saying something to me. He was saying, let me show you what I can do. Let me show you what I can do. L let me show you how I can make a distinction. How I can take one person out of a thousand and put my hand on them and bless them. I don't know to this day, I've thought about it a lot. I don't know if it was an angel. I don't know if it was an, a mistake. I don't know if it was an accident. But here's what I do know, friends. God was behind it. That's what I know. Now, now, you may be, you may be thinking, because I run into people who think like this. Uh, there may be somebody here today who's thinking, I just don't believe God does that kind of stuff. I don't even believe he's interested in those little things. And that's okay if you want to believe that way. It, it, it's your choice. You get to choose. But I do want to share with you a basic biblical truth. Here it is. We'll pull it up on the screen. Here's a basic biblical truth. Doubt and do without 
believe and receive. You see, that is about as basic as it gets in Scripture. One passage of Scripture says, if a man doubts, that man should not think that he'll receive anything from the Lord. And another passage of Scripture that says all things are possible to those who believe. So you can doubt and do without, or you can believe and receive. I'm telling you this morning, I believe. And because of that, I receive sometimes. And mercy. And, and I receive grace. I believe with all my heart that God wants all of us to receive mercy from him, not just at salvation, not just when you're born again, not just when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, but I believe God wants us to receive mercy and grace from him on a daily basis throughout our entire lives. I believe he wants to pour mercy and grace out on you this very day. I believe that is the truth. Now, this is message number two. Uh, part two in a series that I'm in, Receiving Mercy. And, and we started out with this scripture, Exodus thirty-three eighteen. Moses said, please show me your glory. And then in the next verse, verse 19, God responded and he said, and I will make all my goodness, he's talking to Moses now, I'll make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. It's that last statement that we've been focusing on. God was saying to Moses, I'm a sovereign God. That's what God was saying. I'm a sovereign God. And we should rejoice at this truth because God says, I'm sovereign And I can be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. By the way, when God is gracious, that is what? Grace. This is about grace and mercy. God says to Moses, you want to see my glory? This is the manifestation of my glory. This is the demonstration of my glory. When I choose to have compassion and be gracious to someone or when I choose to show them mercy. I'm sovereign. I'm God. That's what he was saying. And if I choose to give mercy and grace, I can do that. Now, if we, we won't take time to do this, but if we could jump over to the New Testament, we would find the apostle Paul saying almost exactly the same thing. The apostle Paul says in the book of Romans, he says, God, like the potter who forms the clay, can make one vessel unto honor and another vessel unto dishonor. He can make one vessel to pour out his grace and mercy on, and he can make another vessel to pour his wrath out on. Now, that's, that's kind of scary. But hold on. That leads me to ask a question, and I think this is the biggest of all questions. I think it's the most important question in life, in my heart of hearts. I don't think there's any question that supersedes this one. And that is, is there anything you can do? Is there anything I can do 
that would cause a sovereign God to want to show us mercy, to want to be gracious to us, to pour his compassion out. Now, we already know that there's nothing we can do that could make us worthy of that. But is there anything we can do that would cause God to want to show us mercy? Not just at salvation, not just being born again, but throughout our whole lives so that his favor is upon us, so that he's with us. So that he's constantly demonstrating in our lives who he is and what he can do. And that question drove me to the word of God. And all I can say is, wow, did I find some stuff. Here's the first one. And if you're not excited now, you will be in just a second. This is what I found out. God loves to show mercy. He loves it. In the book of Micah, uh, the prophet Micah, chapter 7, verse 18, he says, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgressions of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. Read that last line with me. Because he delights in in mercy. He delights in mercy. He's a sovereign God and he can choose whomever he wants to, to be gracious to and to show mercy to, but you got to know this about him. He delights in showing mercy. I get the feeling when I read this particular text that, that Micah was reeling back and forth uh, when he got this revelation about God forgiving and pardoning and passing over people who are guilty and having mercy on them. Oh, friends, who is a God like this? Who does this kind of stuff? Who forgives murderers and rapists and pedophiles and prostitutes and adulterers and blasphemers? and homosexuals, and hypocrites, and drunkards, and drug addicts, and all manner of sin. Who does that? Our God does that. Our God does that. He does that. And why does he do that? How does he do that? Well, it's in the text. It says he does not retain his anger forever. Have you ever felt like God was angry with you? Disappointed with you? Friends, he does not retain his... Pull that verse back up again. We took it down too soon. Yeah. He delights in mercy. Maybe we didn't have it all up there. All right. Here it is. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgressions of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever. Why? Why wouldn't God stay angry forever? Well, I can tell you, friends, because he delights in showing mercy and he sent Jesus so that he could pay your sin debt, so he could be merciful to you. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? 
So, uh, is anybody here today you need mercy? Yeah. Well, I got some good news for you. God delights in showing mercy. He does. Now, it's important that you understand that it's not just indiscriminate. It's not just random. God doesn't just indiscriminate. We know this because of the word. God doesn't just indiscriminately and randomly pick somebody out and say, I'm going to give you mercy. No, there's some rhyme and reason behind it. And I'm going to give you three things here very quickly. And, and I hope you'll hold on to these. And there's the first thing is that God's looking for people to show mercy. He's actually looking. There's a story in the Old Testament that drives us home. There was a king in Judah named Asa. If you've ever read about Asa, uh, Asa was in trouble. Uh, he was uh, having an army come against him. He was not in a, in a good place. A good place. He couldn't defend himself. And so Asa did something that he should not have done. Asa took silver and gold out of the house of the Lord, objects that were dedicated to the glory of God. And he sent that silver and gold to a foreign country to buy, as it were, mercenaries, a mercenary army to come and defend him. He took the precious things of the Lord and gave them away so that another army would come and protect him. And God was not pleased with this. And so the prophet Hanani shows up. And this is what Hanani says to him. This is 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. Hananiah was saying, uh, Asa, you don't understand. God's looking. God's eyes are going all around the world. God's looking for people in whom he can show himself strong and mighty. But you trusted in a foreign army. In this, in this thing that you've done, you've done foolishly. And from now on, you'll have wars. You see, God was saying, I'm looking. Child of God, do you know God's looking? He's looking for us. He's looking for people who will trust him to prove himself mighty and strong on their behalf. Well, that's Old Testament, so let's jump to the New Testament, 1 Peter 3.12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, friends, here's a contrast in this verse between the righteous and those who do evil. And can I just stop here? I, I, I think we have pastors that uh, around the country that are just afraid to make statements like I'm about to make. But people who do evil are not righteous and people who are righteous do not do evil. When did we start compromising the truth of God's word? You, you, see, you see the contrast here. It, 
People who do the right thing, that's what righteousness is. People who do the right thing follow the truth of God's word. People who do the right thing, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that God's eyes rest on them. Back to the Old Testament, Hananiah. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth that he might find those in whom he can prove himself strong. We find in the New Testament that God's eyes actually rest upon righteous people. People who are doing the right thing, pursuing the right thing. But his face is against those who do evil. Please listen to me. I don't think I've had anything bear down on my heart any more than what I'm about to tell you. But I beg you today. I beg you, stop listening to the corrupt theology that says you can live in sin. And still be right with God. Oh, friends. That's not what this Bible says. This Bible says God's eyes are on the righteous. But his face is against those who do evil. Don't believe that lie anymore. It's rampant in America. And the church is infested with it. It's just not the case. God hears the prayers of the righteous. God's eyes rest upon the righteous, but his face is against those who do evil. And because the church has bought into this, I'm telling you, friends, the church in America is dying. It's becoming a country club. It's going through the motions. The church is losing its glow. It's losing its glory. It's losing its power. It's losing its strength. It's no different from the rest of the world. In fact, most of the time the church looks, acts, and behaves just like the rest of the world. Oh, friends, please. Please don't listen to that anymore. Now, here's my next scripture. Hebrews 4.16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That we may receive what? Mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So back to my question, is there anything we can do? Is there anything we can do? Is there anything we can say that would cause God to want to be merciful to us? And the answer is yes. Yes, draw near to God. Take a journey. Wherever you are, take a journey from where you are to where God is. And I'll tell you, not just when you get there, but on the way, on the journey itself, you'll begin to experience the mercy of God. But it is foolish. It is corrupt theology. It is wrong, dangerous, and damning to believe that you can continue to live any way you want to live and expect the mercy and grace of God to be poured out on you. I'm sorry. I know that's hard. But friends, that is the truth. Oh, goodness. You see, Hananiah said to Asa, you, need, you should have been trusting in the Lord. Simon Peter says in the New Testament, the eyes rest upon the righteous. And this passage of scripture says, those who draw near to the throne of grace, those are the ones who receive mercy. So this past week, I decided to go on a journey. 
I, uh, I packed up everything. In fact, I was not here Wednesday night because I decided I was going to go on a spiritual journey. And I went up to Georgia and went to our hunt camp. And I took my Bible. I took my laptop. I took communion supplies so I could take communion. And at our hunt camp, uh, we put up a beautiful cross. Man, I went up and I just met with the Lord. Got on my face in front of that cross. I prayed. I had communion. I had fellowship. It was awesome. I highly recommend it. But then something happened, unexpected. Wednesday morning, I woke up at five o'clock in the morning and something was wrong and I, I, I hadn't set, it was cold. The heater was not on, it was 36 degrees. I was freezing. I slipped on a pair of blue jeans. I was barefooted. I was huddling up to a, a, a little heater that I finally got working, but I was still cold. And I remembered all my hunting clothes are outside. So I'm going I'm to run outside real quick. And I'm going to get dressed. Got a nice pair of wool socks out there. I'll put those socks on. I'll, I'll put my big coat on. And I ran out. If you've ever gone out in the cold, you don't want, you want to run out and run right back in, right? And I ran out. And when I did, that camper door locked behind me. I knew when it happened, I turned around quickly to grab the, the handle and it wouldn't open. And I knew, I knew I was in trouble. The keys to my truck were inside the camper. The keys to the camper were inside the camper. My phone was inside the camper. I'm standing out in 36 degree weather. I'm barefooted. What am I going to do? I put my wool socks on. I, I got me some clothes on. And I thought, this is bad. This is, this, is, this is not good at all. I finally got a little grill that we've got by the camper. I got it burning and, and, and I held my hands over it. I'm thinking, what, what am I going to do? And then the first thought that came to my mind is, well, maybe I can crawl through a window. So I went all the way around the camper and just tried to pry on and push every window. Nothing would open. And then I went back over to that little grill and I'm standing there over the grill. I got my, uh, my hands over the fire and I'm, I, I, I've never felt so helpless. What am I going to do? It's five o'clock in the morning. It's two hours before daylight. Nobody around here knows me. I can't walk up to somebody's house. I can't call anybody. What, what, do, what do I do? And I decided this would be a good time to pray. So, so I started praying. This is what I said. Sometimes you have to explain things to God. <laughs> if you think I'm joking, you read your Bible. They were always explaining things to God. God, if you don't go with us, how's that going to make you look? <laughs> Moses said it, didn't he? God, if you don't go with us, it's going to make you look bad. So I'm standing there. If I said, Lord, let me explain something to you. 
came to this camp to meet with you. There may be others who'd roll their eyes at that, but Lord, you know my heart. You know that my sole reason for coming here was to meet with you. And I've been praying and reading my Bible and studying ever since I've been here. Lord, you know that's the truth. And then, Lord, I was praying right out loud. I mean, I, this, I wasn't just meditating. I said, I said, Lord, your word says that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And Lord, I know you called me and I know I love you. I know I'm not everything I should be. I know I failed and made mistakes. And some of the time that I've been at the camp, I've done some real deep repentance. I said, Lord, I've been repenting. I've been with everything in me, turning away from, from sin and anything that might distract me from you. But your word says that if you've called us and we love you, all things work together for good. And I said, Lord, (laughs) I need you to explain to me how this is going to work for good. (laughs) I'm listening, Lord. Show me how this is going to work for good. I don't see a testimony in this anywhere. (laughs) I am desperate. Show me, Lord. And friends, I'm standing over that fire. And the spirit of the Lord spoke to me. I know it was the Lord. And said, go check that window one more time. And I walked over to that camper. No prying, no pushing. I put my hand on that window and it just slid open just as pretty as you please. And there was a screen and that screen just slid open. And uh, I couldn't hardly breathe. I ran, got a chair. I'm still shivering. I put that chair under and then I put a five gallon bucket on the chair. I have a little problem climbing these days, (laughs) carrying a little bit too much weight. In fact, I had some family members said they wish they had had a a video of me trying to climb through that window. (laughs) I slid it back. I crawled through that window, but I went head first. And when when I got in, I was on my face. Thank you, God. How'd you do that? How'd you do that? What kind of God are you? Amazing. And then a little while I called my son and I told him a story. He said, dad, I locked that window before I left. He said, in fact, I checked every window to make sure it was locked. I said, I believe you, but God unlocked that window. God unlocked that window. I'm telling you that there is nothing in my life that I rejoice over more than the fact that one day God took a lost, desperate sinner and saved me and forgave me and wiped out my past. But next to that is what I'm about to say now. That's number one. 
is God wants to walk with me. That God wants to demonstrate his grace and mercy in my life. God saved you and, and nothing's better than that. But oh, to walk out your life with the kiss of the father on you. With grace and mercy being poured out on you. Every day. Every day. Was that you, God? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So, so here's what I want you to go home thinking about today. And that is that God is looking for you. God's looking for you. He's looking for me. He wants to show us mercy. He's a sovereign God that can do it and will do it. He wants to show us grace and mercy. He's looking for you. He wants to show you grace and mercy, but this is what you have to do. You have to draw near to the throne of grace. Don't you just love that throne of grace? That's where you find grace, at the throne of grace. Now, I don't like to do what I'm about to do, but the Holy Spirit put it on my heart to do it. And that is I'm going to end with something very negative. And I want you to listen to me like you've never listened before. And that is, I pray that what I'm about to share with you will never be said of you. And it'll never be said of me. It'll never be said of this church. And it'll never be said of your family. I pray that. I've got a heaviness on me when I say this. I pray this will never be said of you. And it's the words of Hananiah, the prophet. Here it is. In this, you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. You could have trusted me. You could have pursued righteousness. You could have drawn near to the throne of grace. But you didn't. And in this you have done foolishly. And from now on you'll have wars. Now I don't know how you interpret the Bible. But that sounds like God is saying from now on. You are on your own. I don't want to be on my own to you. I don't want to be on my own. I want to trust him. I want to pursue righteousness. Oh, I want to draw as close as I can to the throne of grace because I want the kiss of the Father on my life. I want it on this church. I want a church that's radically and passionately in love with Jesus. I want a church that's never satisfied. We're always pursuing more of the Lord. Will you bow with me in prayer? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. What, can you imagine those words? I didn't actually tell you this in the story, but Asa was so upset with Hananiah when he said it that he put him in prison. What horrible words. In this, you have done foolishly. From now on, you'll have wars. From now on, you'll be on your own. Oh. Those are some of the saddest words you'll find in scripture. Could it be that, that the Lord put this message on my heart to preach to you today because he's calling you?
He's calling you to trust him. He's calling you to pursue righteousness. He's calling you away from the things of the world. He's calling you to draw near to the throne of grace. And friends, if that be the case, don't wait one minute. Today's the day that you begin your journey. And I tell you, it may not always be pleasant. See, I feel like up at, up at my camp, I feel like God let that happen to me. So I didn't have any option but to trust him. And then he showed me mercy. And then he put a testimony in my mouth to glorify his name. Father, would you bless us today? Would you bless this church as we bow before you? As we humble ourselves? As we say no more compromise, no more procrastination. We're coming after you, God. We want your mercy. We want you a sovereign God. We want your eyes to rest upon us. We want your eyes to stop upon us. We want to get as close as we can, Lord. I tell you, while the music is playing softly, if you need to, would you just get up and come to this altar? Just, just get up and bow at this altar. Say, Lord, I've heard, I've heard the message today. Lord, I'm ready. Lord, I want to pursue you like I've never pursued you before. No more compromise. If the Holy Spirit's speaking, if he's drawing you, if he's wooing you, oh, don't even slow down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.